Black Sunday is like no motion picture you've ever seen. There are those who believe and those who do not. But both must know the suspense, the shock of meeting the living dead and of bringing the dead to life. Look into my eyes. Embrace me. You will die. But I can bring you pleasures mortals cannot know. Listeners, welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast that talks about horror movies. This is episode 71. Um, we are into Women in Horror Month, and we're going to be talking about Black Sunday, 1960 Mario Bava-directed movie starring Barbara Steele. It's, um... Wait, 1960? 60, 6 yeah. Because the one I watched was from 77. Uh-oh. <laughs> we're in trouble. Did I miss... about the stadium? Yeah, also there were a lot of women in it. Oh, man. So we're going to be watching the 1977 uh, terrorist movie, uh, Black Sunday, where some terrorists are going to fly a blimp into a stadium during a football game. The Super Bowl. Not just some football game. Did they say Super Bowl? Yeah. This was before the NFL got all snotty about it? Yeah, yeah. I think they actually, I did not rewatch the film I was going to today. I forgot about it, but... uh, the big game, everyone has I to call it. I think they actually show footage from from the football, you know, actual NFL stuff. Wow. That would have been... Long enough time ago. What, the Pittsburgh Steelers would have been kind of winning back in those days, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that they were like, hey, we could sell more branded stuff now that we know that that stuff sells. I believe Dallas won that year. The guy from Alien? The yes, captain? Dallas. That Bob Seger looking guy? Uh-huh. Huh. He ended up being a real smug-looking bastard later with his little mm-hmm. molester mustache. <laughs> okay, we should mention that the main movie we talk about, we are going to spoil. So this is your warning. If you don't like movies being spoiled, go watch them first before you listen to podcasts about them. How's that for an idea? Um, we're not professional critics. We don't get paid for this at all. Um, and uh, there's a band that does this great intro song that you just heard, The Moon Rays. Find them on iTunes, find them on Amazon, buy their music, uh, say hi to them on Facebook where they are, The Moon Dash Rays. And uh, that's why it, we sound kind of professional leading in off that song and it kind of trails off and we start muttering and <laughs> knocking things over and that's a kind of our stylistic choice. <laughs> Yeah, stylistic. It it takes a lot of rehearsal to do this. It does. That sloppily. To make it sound natural, you know, it really does. So, uh... This week I watched, uh... Did you see any more of the Turkish TV show? I did watch a few more episodes of that. I have also watched, uh, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Uh... How was that? I'm liking it so far. I watched the first episode or two. We recorded this a week before I actually watched it. Oh, you're projecting into the future. Yeah. I watched, in that case, I watched The Blair Witch. Oh, yeah. The new one, yeah. What was it? Um, You know, I don't want to ruin it for our listeners since it's not the subject of this, so I'm not going to say anything about it. Oh, I watched uh, uh, a terrible, terrible James Wynn in the Wynn. James Wan? No. James Wynn? Yeah, he's. uh, The fake James Wan? He did Birdemic. Oh. oh. Birdemic. He did a movie called Replica. Huh. 
Yeah, is it a replica of a good movie? Yeah, he he has such a Hitchcock fetish. He shows <laughs> clips. I'm not kidding. He shows clips from two different Larry King interviews that have various ladies who were in Hitchcock films. It has nothing to do with anything in the movie, but he shows it. You know, um, the man films with like a iPod or an iPhone camera. Wow. Uh, the audio goes out at times. Uh, he is probably the most incompetent filmmaker I've seen. Hmm. Um, I wonder how much is honest, how much is just, you know, let's make the best bad movie ever nonsense, but yeah, I kind of think he is completely incompetent, even if he did start out with the <laughs> let's make the best bad movie ever. Yeah. He found out that it was his true non-talent. Okay. I think that's... Anyway, avoid it at all costs. It's, uh... Oh, man. The actress in it is sub-par high school drama. Really? Yes, and she plays a <laughs> geneticist who... <laughs> I'm taking it... I didn't want... I've not watched a lot of this man's films, but I, I take it that there's a lot of businessmen talking sort of business stuff a lot of really big numbers like 10 millions and 100 million dollar amounts thrown around for crap uh <laughs> oh my god everybody's terrible actor just the absolute worst <laughs> so again i don't know how much is real how much is fake incompetence it sounds to me like someone could make a drinking game based on this movie probably wow um what year was it made it was made maybe last year this year oh last week <laughs> earlier this morning um maybe it's still in post-production you if you see that and then go watch the absolute worst rock and roll nightmare yeah Rock and Roll Nightmare is more confidently made than anything James Noblin has ever been near. So, so it makes Rock and, and I, Roll Nightmare look like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I believe he's a restaurateur, is how he came to his fortune. Oh. Um, and then made Birdemic because he's a big Hitchcock fan. And he had to drop an advertisement for his own wine label, G-Wine, into the movie. <laughs> He also shoots everything on green screens, oh. or just about everything. Anything that's a, a, a set that's not inside his own house, which you see a lot of. Wow. Or his driveway, which you see a lot of. See a lot of people backing out of his driveway or pulling into his driveway, because that is good filmmaking. Uh-huh. I think this man should be stopped legally. <laughs> Somehow the courts need to hand down an order that he not make films, discuss them, or even watch them. All right. So you're on the fence about it. So I'm on the fence. Uh, I'm going to watch a couple more of his. Watch okay. Birdemic 2. Oh. Uh, probably Birdemic 1. So I'm not lost on part 2. Right. Uh, I'm sure he's got a couple others that are straight ripoffs of Hitchcock films made for a dollar. Yeah. I've got good news. Speaking of uh, Birdemic 2, uh, I bought the, the spinny piece to make the wheel of fortune type thing. So when we want to, um, jokingly put the, uh, the tagline behind like Birdemic 2 Tokyo Drift or, yeah. or search for Curly's Gold. So we could just spin the wheel and you know decide that so we'll just place it somewhere where we can reach it. Uh, so I bought the mechanical part, the lazy Susan mechanical part for that. Uh, oh, okay. And I own a drill press, so I can drill the holes for the pegs nice and straight. So that ought to be cool. It's switched into a DIY hardware kind of show now. It's like Popular Mechanics. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of feel like. Uh, most of this stuff wouldn't translate because it's a podcast, but we have Instagram, you know, and, and we can post pictures of anything we this want. This old house, the podcast. Now, if you look here at this drywall, yeah, 
<laughs> you can see some water damage. You see Bob. Did, Norm. Did, you, did you watch much of, of this old house? Oh, God. I grew up in a tiny little town with three channels. So, yes. You know the, the blonde guy with the little wire rim glasses? He would always come trotting up on the job site and be like, So, why are you doing that? Yeah. There's like a real plaintive kind of way he would. It, it almost sounded like, Are you challenging these guys? Because uh, uh-huh. I don't think you know what you're doing. Why are you doing that? Huh? Yeah. What are you doing down there? Yeah. Anyway. So why'd you choose that material for this kind of thing? All right. I think we've stalled long enough. We should... Uh, what you watch this week, Jolian? Yeah, Jolian, what will you have watched? Um, what will you have well, watched? Well, Emily watches TV, and, and she's seen lots of trailers for the new Gore Verbinski movie called uh, Cure for Wellness. Yeah. Uh, and I like half of his movies a lot, and the other half I find really kind of tedious, so I, I, we'll, we'll probably check it out. Ah. Uh. Um, it looks interesting. Yeah. And it's filmed in nice locations, so it won't be a waste of time. Are you? Is she on board with seeing something like Kong Skull Island? Or is that is that a hard sell for you to get her to go to something like that? Oh, no, she'd go and see that. Yeah. Cool. Because that's coming up in what, March? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting movies. Man, if only we could get some spring weather here in Denver. <laughs> yeah. Instead of trucking through the snow to, yeah, it's to horrible. the theater. Yeah, what a what a bind. Yeah, it's been it's been so snowy here. Yeah, <clears throat> come here. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> so, uh, Black Sunday. Yes. Now this uh, this movie is an early, um, I guess you could say Italian Gothic horror. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. I watched something about the R- <laughs> IRA. <laughs> Was it the IRA? Yeah. Oh. Oh, wait, I think that was Bloody Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was going to say Black Sunday. They were from the Middle East, weren't they? I watched Every Day, or Any Given Sunday, was it? Yeah. I watched mm. that one instead. I watched the, the Longest Yard, thinking I was watching the right movie. Okay, Black Sunday. Mario Bava directed this thing. And every frame of this movie is like a perfect black and white photo yeah am i right i mean this is like you could freeze frame it anywhere print that thing out and put it in a frame yep it's a beautiful Beautiful. film i feel sorry for people who don't watch black and white movies there's so much there you know like a whole range of grays (laughs) whole range of grays yeah so jolian what's your experience with this movie you kick this off because you know more about it than the two of us put together uh i didn't have that um, it wasn't the first Bava movie I saw. Um, so where did you start with Bava? Is this Bava's first movie? It was his first where he got where he's the only director on it. Oh, okay. So he he helped out. There was a director named Ricardo Frida, and he he basically taken over those movies. So he he'd done the first Italian like sound horror movie, which was I Vampiri. Okay. In '56, and up to the to then, uh, the Catholic Church had forbidden horror movies in Italy; that they just didn't exist. Yeah. So the the nearest they got to a horror movie was Snow White. But then they got a teen is, pope, which is why you yeah, <laughs> which is why you get a lot of uh, like that kind of Disney Snow White fairy tale approach to horror movies. Oh, okay. Um, and you can see that in Argento and so on. So anyway. Evampiri, and then they'd done this blob movie called Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster, which is really good as well. Okay. Oh, wow. And, uh, and also fabulous photography. Right. And Barber's from this, like, filmmaking dynasty, you know. Um, and, and you know, his, his son continues the legacy. But um, Right. Yeah, so very familiar with filmmaking and, and just conjuring imagery out of nothing with no money. Right. Well, if you have all of your technical stuff, if if your technical stuff is is locked down and you don't have to worry about it, then you can concentrate on your creative stuff. Yeah. And that's important even in still photography. You know, if you're not fumbling and fiddling with f-stops and shutter speeds, you can you can concentrate on uh, depth of field and composition mm-hmm. and things that are going to be important how the picture looks. Yeah. And same is true with a motion picture, I'm sure. But so this guy's got it down. And then he knows just be creative and make it look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And while you're at it, cast 
a magnificent looking woman oh, yeah. in the lead. She's just extraordinary looking. Yeah. Not her voice, but Yeah, she'd sound like she was from kind of Liverpool region. Right. In a natural voice at the time, but yeah, she's just got a fantastic face, and especially those eyes. Oh man, they're before that. I mean, who had eyes like that? Like they were, they were like uh, kind of uh, surreal looking. They're just larger they than they should be. She was weird looking. <laughs> I personally didn't care for the movie. No. No. Wow. I think it looks beautiful. Yeah. But it was so dull. <laughs> it starts off with such promise. They hammer a mask onto someone's face uh-huh. with a big mallet. Yeah. Eugenia big executioner put, looking guy. Eugenia put down the the tablet, turned it off so she could watch this movie. <laughs> Seemed thrilled, you know, to start with that. And then it was just all downhill. From and then there. it pranced off to some pub and there was music there was for a while. Much, yeah. <laughs> it, well, it does go to some quiet places and it does give you some weird fairy tale stuff that you're just like, oh, I don't know if I care about that. The, uh, the, when uh, the Sam Harkoff bought this movie and they trimmed a lot of the, the like the gruesome stuff and they also trimmed out a lot of the romance oh, aspects okay. of it. So it got to the horror stuff quicker. Oh, okay. But yeah, there is a lot of that. So so the um, so the, the kind of fairy tale uh storyline is explained by the the whole lineage of what films had to be in italy yeah okay so and you know it's just that whole gothic approach to it right they they were they were liking uh, lace-up things and frilly shirts yeah and, and you have the whole goth the, the crumbling manse and the perverse sexuality and yeah uh and and also i suppose because you were in a catholic country you're uh, being out expressing taboo ideas but creatively so yeah. it's not it's it's not too overt yeah and there's definitely perverse obvious stuff yeah they didn't want they didn't want to come right out and say it yeah and, and there's, there's pretty much you know necrophiliac scenes in this which the americans picked up on which got <laughs> trimmed you know for the u.s release but that's that's pretty funny so um so we have uh, what was sold to me as the idea of a vampire movie. It's a witch movie, isn't it? Really? Well, it, it kind of confuses. I think originally it was vampires. Okay. And then it became this witch. And then, and then you think, well, was she actually a witch, or is it just because she had she was too sexual for you know the time? Uh, you know, the the guy she's executed with is actually her brother. Okay. Uh, you know what's going on there with yeah. the relationship. Yeah, there was a, there was an incest um, thing that was kind of suggested, wasn't there? Yeah, and and it does it does, it does go between witches and vampires. I mean, you look at like uh, European folklore. There, there's not a big there's not a definite dividing line. It's like these are hellish things, mm-hmm. you know, from, from beyond yeah. from beyond life, and so like there's a lot of crossover with werewolves and vampires and demons and witches and whatever it is it's more blurred than yeah you'd think from from you know especially now that we have movies that establish rules Mm -hmm. you know vampire does this and that yeah they can be killed by this but it's like the bell witch here is in you know the story of the bell witch in Mm -hmm. tennessee which is more it's not you know it's basically a poltergeist isn't it yeah, yeah. it basically which just stands for something freaky right yeah it's, it's a supernatural manifestation happening. of yeah evil not necessarily a lady in a conical hat no. <laughs> a broomstick right now do you feel like um like the early stuff like this from italy informs like jess franco's stuff like a, Sp- a spanish yeah, director yeah, like yeah. that because i kind of feel like he took it in mm-hmm. like like basically uh uh the the restrictions were off yeah. Fra- franco could do whatever he wanted um and so he did a bunch of movies in a row where it's just like vampires are not just sexy and good looking but they can be naked now too and do stuff right you know that seems like where he went with it and if our listeners haven't checked out um director jess franco which i think his actual name was jesus franco um spanish director anyway did a lot of the sexy vampire stuff from yeah, the late, late again, 60s, early again, 70s. Catholic, 
repression being thrown <laughs> off. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean this, uh, the Italian boom was really kicked off by Hammer. Right. Uh, so another colonial power with repressed sexuality. Yeah. Bubbling up in perverse ways. Um, was there any sort of, I noticed that Franco's films are always filmed between like Italy and Germany. And I don't know if yeah, that, well, a just... lot of his, uh, his, his budgets come from Germany. Okay. That, that explains it. Um, and I was just wondering, is, is there some kind of a weird like dynamic there that I don't know about? <laughs> if it's just money. Then that explains a lot. But, um, what about with Italy? I mean, is there, uh, Italy's got a thing with England with hammer. Well, yeah, those, those movies are, were very popular, uh, I mean, you have, I mean, uh, they, they might seem tame now, but this is like, you know, you're full on color, blood. Yeah. Uh, heaving bosoms. Yes. One of one of the best kinds of bosoms. Yeah. The, the heaving <laughs> um, kind. You know, it, it was all it was all pretty heady stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was uh, pretty progressive for its and, time. I mean, yeah. if you just look at what American films were out in 1960, right. they weren't doing what this movie was doing and you know and you've got this colonial power that's dealing with its guilt yeah fallen empire legacy of the war yeah check check <laughs> um you know you, you, you guys are familiar with this stuff now right um yeah so uh yeah it was, it was very much in the air at the time yeah okay okay so so why do why do they choose the year they set this in um well, let's see. I have it here somewhere. 1600s, like 16, um, the year 1630, it says here in the notes. Um, isn't that the same year that uh, that The Witch that came out last year? Is it? Or year? Uh, yeah, it was the 1630s something. Yeah. So I'm so kind of. It'll be during one of one of the witch hunting seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the witch hunting season. Uh, so yeah, this would have been, uh, witch persecution, uh, that didn't know boundaries. It was on every continent. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the Catholic church was the leading Any, anywhere you had agency of killing people in Europe, anywhere you had snooty religious people <laughs> who were taking it too far. Yeah. So it starts in the 1600s and then it jumps forward to... What, 18, 18, 1830s? Is that yeah, what it was? 200 years. Yeah, so okay. it's, the, to the it's day. always even. <laughs> no, we're, no, yeah. we're like 87 years from now. They're like four score. Okay, just four score. <laughs> Stop. Just round it off right there. So uh, um, this, okay, so this movie uh, was breaking some new ground. And was this, was this an introduction for Barbara Steele? This was the first major thing she had done. Yeah, and she she'd been in Flaming Star briefly earlier that year, but um, she had an argument with the director and kind of it's got edited yeah, out. Yeah, and she thought she she'd never do a film again. And then she went on to work with Fellini. Yeah, in eight and a half. Eight and a half, which is a great movie. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. Yeah, we should just like ditch the horror thing and talk about eight and a half sometime. Okay. Oh, she's worked with Dante and Cronenberg and Marl and oh man, Demi and. But there was a delay in Eight and a Half coming out, if I remember right. Like there, there were some post-production things, or. Oh, well, the whole the whole uh, thing with Eight and a Half. It's called Eight and a Half because it, it was his Eight and a Half movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, the whole movie is about his struggle to, you know, where's he going to go next? Yeah. With making movies, so the whole movie is about. It's autobiographical. Yeah. What am I going to do next? Oh, and all these beautiful women complicate you know, my life. I've done... <laughs> he's, he's, he's part of the neorealist movement, and then he's, he's gone on from that, and he's done his social dramas. And, and There's always that weird, like, surreal vibe to anything he does. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah, he just, like, abandoned, you know, straightforward realism and just delved into the psychology of the characters so it wasn't like social critique so much as like getting in the heads of these people yeah so uh barbara Steele takes a takes a quick detour into fellini land and <laughs> makes 
appearance in Eight and a Half. Yeah, and, and then she was in a, whole a bunch of Italian horror movies. Yeah, so back to the horror for a while. And uh, so she could say, I worked with Fellini. I'm in one of his greatest movies mm -hmm. and a bunch of my own. Yeah, well, her own, where she was the lead. Uh, so from there, um, do you want to talk about story at all? Or? Will, you didn't dig the story a whole lot. I mean, it was okay. Um, I don't want to sound harsh on the film. Uh, I was bored because... The guys in the frilly shirts were... It's <laughs> nothing It's nothing you haven't seen. Okay. So if, if you hadn't seen anything like this, and it was 1960, and it, then you're seeing like... I think this would probably be a pretty good film. Oh, so, yeah. So you've like, seen a lot of that came after this. Certainly. Okay. And that, that, is, that is what, you know, it... It felt like the hundredth retread mm. of this sort of uh, costume drama, stage play, horror movie. But this was one of the first. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it it suffers like uh, I don't know. There's a lot of things that yeah they came first, but people know all the ripoffs. We'll yeah. Say. Um, but yeah, if I had seen this, and I think it looked beautiful, there were some amazing shots and the blu-ray looked fantastic oh wow yeah so it looked very it looked almost like pencil work <laughs> uh, on paper like somebody had done charcoal or graphite <laughs> that's work. great that shot where they're in the ruined church archway mm -hmm. i drew that into uh, a book of ninjago oh, oh no nice. kidding they, they go to this like ruined city on the moon nice yeah book 11 well, for our listeners who don't know this, Jolien has uh, been the artist on several of the Lego Ninja Go comics. Uh, how many How many issues did you do? That was four through eleven. Number four through eleven. A shame that a Ninja Go just Lego didn't didn't, didn't connect in my head. So I kept trying to figure out why the Go on Ninja. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, well, that's five in japanese what does that have to do Ninja are there five, five of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then i really no it's lego <laughs> so ninja go yeah but they don't say batman go do they no i don't because it would be so. batmango batmango <laughs> which just doesn't sound right batmango that sounds like it would taste awful it would <laughs> so um so our characters, uh, let's see, where do we go next? What happens? We got the... Well, there's the uh, the handsome young lead is John Richardson. Okay. So what do we know him from? Uh, well, he'd, he'd worked with uh, Barbara Steele a few times in her like in her screen tests. Okay. And uh, Bachelor Hearts and Sapphire the previous year. And then uh, after this, he was in One Million Years BC. Oh. Um. He's the, he's the lead caveman in that. I heard that was bad. I think that's the one I heard was bad. What? No. It, I'm, <laughs> wait, no, no, no. We're talking What's, about the, the Ray Harry Harrison, Raquel no, Welch. No, no, I take it back. Dinosaur epic. No, no. There was one coming that, out on Blu ray later this year. There was one that came out and it was recent. It was like. Catch the poster if you can. Yeah. <laughs> poster classic the whole poster. movie but yeah. <laughs> the movie is good but no i'm, yeah, I'm, I'm an iconic poster there was a crappy cg movie that's what that's, oh there's, that's, there's one called Ten Thousand bc which is one that's of that's a dean devlin thing. yeah okay yeah that's what popped into my head was i know that title and it sucks no that was a newer one and he's also the uh the young male lead in the she movies from hammer oh okay all right so he's a hammer guy Whenever you see him on screen, it's hammer time. <laughs> I'm not. I'm done talking about his frilly shirts with his blousy sleeves. It's okay. Okay, so there's a curse. She puts a curse on on uh, on her. Uh, it's her brother, isn't it? That that orders her to her death. The witch, Barbara Steele's character. Well, her brothers are killed alongside her. Brothers, her brother's the the other witch. Oh. Okay. The dude with the mustache and the bad skin. Yeah. And the page boy haircut. Yes. Yeah, that's her brother. Okay. And yeah. he's he's already dead when we start the film. Okay, so he's had the mask right. on his head. Okay. He's uh, Arturo Dominici, he's in a several 
Barbara films. So the two of them get killed side by side, mm-hmm. and she curses the executioner. Is that what it was? She curses the town, I thought. She puts a curse on somebody or something. Everybody. She's coming back in 200 years. She's like, you... Satan shows up, but he's a little late. <laughs> With the lightning, he scares everyone off, but she's already dead. I mean, I well, guess he had things to do. Well, they didn't... Was it they didn't complete the burial? Is that why her curse works? And so she's so well-preserved? I don't know any of that. There's an electrical storm and everybody just gets out. Yeah. They all vanish. Right. So is that why she's able to do what she does? Um, or she'd be put in unconsecrated ground. Yeah. So. But then they, they decide to be good and put her in her family uh, tomb. Oh. Family crypt. Oh, okay. Well, then that that's what carries the curse out. Yeah. Is her her being placed in a crypt. Cuz that's yeah. that's consecrated. And it crypt. has it has a a glass front and a cross on top. So yeah. if she wakes up, she'll see a cross. And yeah. Stop. So die. she's she's got a sort of an aversion to crosses, an allergy if you will. Yes. So we yeah. have the vampire aspect there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She drinks blood. Well, yeah. So yeah. she wants to do a, a a body thief thing. Basically, is what's going on, right? Yeah. So she's got this the, this new woman who's her double, mm-hmm. who's the current young woman of the family. That she right. wants to take over from. Who she happens to be identical to. Yeah. Because that's how that always works. Yeah. So she wants to do a Freaky Friday mm-hmm. with this girl. And have her beauty and her youth, and then do what? Go around smacking fools? I mean, what does she do? Sky's the limit, then. Yeah. She, she gets what she wants, then what's she going to do? Nobody's going to burn her. I don't know. She, she'll she have to cross that bridge when she gets to it. Yeah. I mean, she go, holy crap, they've got carriages. I'm sure there's new challenges. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Every day, you know. If you're willing to work for it, you can find new ways to be evil and advance your evil. Yeah. like She could get into real estate, or law. There's a lot of evil to be done there. Politics. Definitely a lot of evil to be done there. Pull a lot of strings behind the scenes, you know. Sure. What do vampires want, anyway? Um, they want I mean, the... Va- Dracula's always been about, you know, buying up land in England, but... <laughs> So yeah. You're going to flip those houses? Mm. You can do cheap repairs. and <laughs> I think he's just going to like wait till the suspicion gets really high at one house and then move to the other. Mm. But uh, but this witch slash vampire woman, she wants youth and beauty and mortal life, I guess. Um, a new face because they put holes in hers. <laughs> yeah. So when I say youth and beauty, I guess I mean absence of... Uh, big spiky holes in the face as yep. well <laughs> so or a big branded s on her back yeah and she's she's when they uh there's that scene where they whip back her cloak mm-hmm. oh yeah when he's wondering who, where he, he's he oh, finds yeah, out who's the real who's the rib cage vampire of witch woman and who's who's his lady love yes and she's got this like and it's not just a clean rib cage. No, there's there's some goopy bits yeah. <laughs> from there. Yeah, it's, it's that's pretty shocking. Yeah, it, it looks like a rack of ribs from like a rib restaurant. Yeah, barbecue joint. <laughs> so, uh, so her her motivation is is to come back into the mortal world, but to be uh, powerful and young mm-hmm. and beautiful. So, um, I can't falter for that. You know, she may be evil, but, you know, she's not stupid. No. And, uh, I don't know. Um, so what are some other good bits that you liked about it, Julian? I, I, I know that uh, you've seen this more than I have. I've seen it twice. Well, there's, there's like, uh, you know, in it, um, some really uh, interesting camera moves where he's just prowling around and doing like 360s around the sets. Mm-hmm. You know, so you really feel you're in this actual building and and um the secret passages yeah and there's some really clever stuff with how the camera will move around and it'll like 
you you you'll describe the characters and the histories and so on without having to say anything yeah just move around you know drifting past different people or, or when it goes there's lots of uh, clever stuff with the fireplace oh yeah um where they have like um thin layers of different lighting so that you have the uh you're looking into this burning fireplace and then past that you see the the dragon stonework mm-hmm. at the back and then that that moves back and then you have this passage behind it and then those people get lit and they come forward and they appear to go through the flames and yeah yeah it's all very cleverly done yeah and we uh we discover later on that there's a um the the, the painting on the wall behind the curtain mm-hmm. is is hiding a, another secret room yes so there's, it, it's it's definitely got the old dark house, creepy castle thing going mm-hmm. on, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, the aesthetics of that. And, and apart from Hammer, and you had the the Italian gothics came in, and yeah. uh, uh, you had uh, the Mexican gothic stuff came in. You know, similarly inspired by the Universal. Yeah. Yeah. Movies. Everybody kind of took the idea from Universal Studios and and did their own yeah, take, and then take the, on and it. They just ran with the, the the exploitation factors came to the fore more. So, you know, in Spain you had all of the the Voldemort Dinsky werewolf series. And so they so they're basically the same as the '30s movies, but you know, more and more sex and blood being thrown around. <laughs> but but pretty much the same stories. Buckets of blood. Yeah. So, uh, is there any doubt when you're watching this movie the first time that that uh, evil will be um, done away with and that the good guys are going to win? Well, it's like as you say, like the evil is like the the amazingly seductive, yeah, beautiful stuff. So you're and kind then, of rooting the, for the it. The good people are like dull as a ditch water. <laughs> yeah, like, you just couldn't care. You know, like get go away, like handsome guy. I mean, let's get back to this. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. Is that like everything they're doing, it's a little dull. Yeah, yeah you, you just don't, don't their, care. <laughs> their motivations don't feel important to me as a viewer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, I just want to I, I want to see her levitate some stuff or make some right. things burst into it's flames. A good, good casting and anything, but you just can't compare to Barbara Steele. Yeah, manifesting and like even even the the her good the good character that she's playing is like just not as interesting by by a long shot yeah yeah so it, it is kind of special simple. effects though yeah like when the eyes start forming in her head <laughs> that was pretty creepy looking for 1960 oh yeah I, I don't know if they melted it and reversed the film it seemed like well, it the was the first some time wax. you see this like goop and it looks like maggots coming up yeah. into eye sockets that's just jelly with rice Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all in the lighting. Yeah. And then the second time, it's poached eggs coming up into the sockets. Oh, okay. Wow. But it's just the lighting is so good. Yeah. And then they do all that. There's this technique going back to the silent days where they, they paint the actors with red and green lighting, and then he uses red and green filters, so you bring some forward and fade some back. The, rin- the wrinkle makeup. Yes, the, the wrinkles come Oh, out. okay. Yeah, because that was really good I yes mean, other than the very theatrical wrinkles they they painted on people um yes yeah, so that, that was like four decades old that trick by oh, the time okay yeah he did it here well that that was interesting because when i was watching that i was thinking oh man she had to sit there like lon cheney jr did with the wolfman mm. and i was thinking well, they did a good job yeah it looks moving. super fluid yeah she, how like, do they do that they, they do it when she's like being burned yeah exactly yeah didn't know how simplest things that's, that's good to know. Yeah, and he was he was improvising on this movie. He had a bit of a budget. It wasn't you know rock bottom. Yeah. So he had he had actual camera equipment and stuff. But later films, he was like using child's trolleys as yeah to do dolly shots and and you know he just like rig up a cantilever thing out of nothing to make a crane. Yeah. Stuff like that is just amazing. I mean, and if you uh, if you have have this movie on disc. Uh, there's commentary by Tim Lucas, who wrote the, that massive book, All the Colors of the Dark. Uh-huh. And th- this book is a ton. It's huge, all about Baba movies. Wow. And uh, How many movies did Baba make? Not that many. A couple of dozen, maybe? I, okay. I can't remember. But it's a huge book, massive. It's just And it's just stuffed with pictures. But on the commentary, he would take you through all the, the special effects. And 
and uh, you realize you're just looking at nothing yeah you know there's just like there's a cut out here there's a you know a bit of lighting here there's something being moved across the glass here and yeah and 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 hey presto there's a castle or whatever you know yeah. or there's a ride through a forest or something like that and there's, there's, there's nothing and like like a lot of those carriage shots uh, the the space they had to film it on was barely enough to get the carriage and horses in. Yeah, <laughs> and he had to make a, a racing carriage. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, out of nothing, and and you can figure it out once you know when, once you're aware of it, you can mm-hmm. figure it out. But so this kind of follows a storyline of of uh, your typical witch and yeah. or vampire movie. Yeah, this is based on a story by uh, Nikolai Gogol called The V. Oh, okay. Uh, very loosely, uh, if you want like, a close adaptation, there's a Russian movie in '67, which is really good. What's that one called? The V. Oh, that V. Okay, um, same title. Uh, but it's basically there's three medical students, and they go out into the country and they meet a witch, uh-huh. which would be like Baba Yaga in Russia, yeah. right? And they they spend the night, and then and then one of them, one of them, in order to break the curse, he has to spend three nights in this certain place uh-huh. and various peculiar things get thrown at him and it and it climaxes with this kind of carnival all these different demons and monsters being thrown at him wow uh, yeah it's a really impressive movie it is funny that they um that they nicknamed the keanu reeves character in john wick baba yaga i'm like that's a witch that has a walking house mm-hmm. with yeah. chicken legs. Leg. <laughs> yeah, chicken leg house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what, what, do they think no one knows anything about this story? <laughs> so did it sound cool to them? Probably. <laughs> yeah, because I thought, well, there's probably other like fairy tale names they could have come up with. Like they could have called him Rumpelstiltskin or something. It would have been more fitting. <laughs> but. Uh, so, so ultimately, uh, we've got crucifix and burning. So we've got, we've got vampire and witch uh, ways to end this character's life after she's made all her attempts at reincarnation and stealing of youth and beauty. Yeah, you have the old the old mob of pitchfork wielding <laughs> villagers turns up. Yeah, literally, these are the guys who show up. But uh, they they figure out that uh, they they're not going to be duped by her. They the rib cage gives her away, and uh, <laughs> if they kill her, um, a la Lost Boys, the, the the beautiful young woman returns to form, except for she's not dead like um, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character. <laughs> Remember that at the end of the Lost Boys, like <laughs> I I have very little memory of that film. You're so that's, lucky. That's After they kill the head vampire, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character David. Goes back to his young, uh, clean-shaven self, but he's dead, so it doesn't matter. Oh. Uh, he didn't explode. I imagine that's what happened to the doctor in this. Yeah. The brother took his essence, life. Something. Spirit. But at least we Identification. get... Identification. <laughs> he's an identity thief. But at least uh, Barbara Steele is alive and well and beautiful mm-hmm. at the end of the yep. movie. She gets her youthful energy back. Her eyes get bigger yeah. as the movie goes on. <laughs> How big were her eyes? And was anime all based on her? <laughs> now? Wow. She yeah. Freaky big eyes. And you mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, I know. Sure. She looks great, but her eyes are like weirdly big. Yeah. She could see in the dark, I understand. Pitch black, too. So she was part cat. Well, okay, that's not true. But a v- pretty dimly lit room. She could pick out things. You know, during World War II, that they were keeping radar secret. And uh, so they made this kind of fake news. They made this like uh, little documentary about how pilots were eating lots of carrots. And that's how oh. they saw in the dark. And then this would be accidentally on purpose released to German agents who, who like excitedly ran back to Berlin and said they're eating carrots oh. <laughs> order more carrots <laughs> bring in crates of carrots that's like Popeye and the whole spinach thing the uh, <laughs> the iron amount got bumped up like by ten times or something because somebody misplaced a comma or oh. so it, 
spinach is actually not very high in iron at all. But oh, really? <laughs> because somebody messed up the the comma in the report, all the newspapers picked it up and made you know spinach is great, and then you know you got Popeye from that. Yeah, he would. I like the fact that he could uh, suck it through his pipe too. Yes. <laughs> he would, he would be tied up to some post or something, and then you know. He'd... I think all the poor kids have only ever had spinach from a can. Oh man, I grew up that way. Right. Same here. Like I didn't have fresh spinach until I started working in restaurants. I'm like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> Why isn't this like just slop? <laughs> slop in a can. Basically seaweed in a can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was like uh, watching mom dump that out into a pan was just like plop. There's a big can shaped <laughs> wad of seaweed. <laughs> Oh, man. Smash it down with a spoon, and so you couldn't even buy it frozen, man. <laughs> no, that was the only way spinach came was in a can. Yeah, and you could pick up all of it with your fork. It yes. was just sort of so intertwined that you could just stick your fork in. It's like, well, let's get this over with. <laughs> just pick up the whole bundle of spinach, shove it in your mouth, and you're done. And you have Jesus. Then you look at your biceps; they're no bigger than they were. <laughs> It's like they didn't go bam, bam, just pop out and start smacking Brutus or Bluto. You got two different names. It was two different guys. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was the same guy. They just renamed him. Nope. It's two different guys. The part of Bluto will now be played by Brutus. Yeah. Two different guys. Wow. But they were the same um, archetype, weren't they, really? Well, yeah. Big, dumb, mean guy with a beard. Yeah. But one of them held an advanced degree. <laughs> and the other was just loud and brutish yes listeners it's women in horror month and we're talking about popeye have we talked about women at all we've talked about women a bunch do people who make horror films have issues with women you think um maybe some of them i think I horror want... movies are the most female orient orientated genre and there's like romantic comedies but that's just pandering it is. it is. They're sucking horror up. Horror movies it's are where there's like the feminine is is like the the archetypal enemy of the forces of darkness. Yeah, and is also the embodiment. Can be like the embodiment of darkness. Mm -hmm. um, our downfall as men, uh, our weakness to mm -hmm. to women. That is a common theme. Yeah. Um, just like a young Will back uh, watching Alien, you know? There's uh, nothing wrong with yeah, Sigourney the, Weaver in her the, little the, underwear. <laughs> There's no evil there. So, yeah, women... Okay, so women as, as an idyllic form, women as a, a demonic presence, they can do whatever they want in yeah. horror movies. And sometimes they can flip the script on us and... and you, you get both of them in this movie. Right. And... It's it's a beautiful looking film. I think our listeners should see it. Um, yeah. They may get bored by the dull guys in blousy shirts. Yeah, you've you've seen it all before, but it does look great. Yeah, but you didn't necessarily see it before this movie. A lot of that came no, after this no, movie. No, no, no. This yeah. movie is yeah. as as a point in time right. and as a significant work from a director with significant work from a great female lead who went on to do yeah, other great movies. If you movies. can follow Barber through the 60s, you're going to see a lot of the horror tropes that you see nowadays, Yeah, yeah. especially in James Wan movies. Yeah, pioneered by a, a very important director. Mm -hmm. um, and I did mention um, Jess Franco earlier. Uh, I don't know if you could call his stuff just exploitive, but it's really cool looking and oh, really it. fun. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, some of his stuff can be dreadfully boring. <laughs> I haven't seen enough of it to say that. Oh, there, but, <laughs> but I so trust much. you. <laughs> uh, yes, who's who said? Give me a to don't said, watch you list. Don't understand Jess Franco until you've seen all of Jess Franco. <laughs> uh, his his movies are required bad taste because you you uh, after you've seen enough of them, you start to see the same people and the same obsessions uh -huh. and. and and you get the idea of they're, they're kind of like a diary of where he is, who he who he's friends with, what music he likes yeah. at any given time. Okay. 
Uh, and sometimes they, they can really work and they're, they're kind of interesting, freaky movies. Well, that's good to know. I, I, I'll have to ask you for a to-don't watch list <laughs> and a to-do watch list for him because I've only seen a few. And... Yeah, I like uh, after the 60s, I kind of get uh, my interest falls off. You can't get too far into the when, 70s before yeah, when, you're like, what? Because <laughs> in the 70s, once like porn <clears throat> went mainstream and anything could be shown. Right. Uh, you know, people like him who were like in the exploitation business, that's where they went. And it, it was just boring. There was nothing creative about it. Yeah, if you don't have to hold back, then I guess your your work could get dull. Yeah, I liked him better in the 60s when he's more, he's, he's under the influence of Wells and Fellini. And, yeah. Um, yeah, they're kind of more jazzy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some interesting stuff. And uh, it, I think it was Soledad Miranda... Mm. Who had a tragically short life? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was working with her in, in, in circa nineteen seventy, and then she died in a car crash. Car crash, yeah, in Portugal. Like, she was going to be. I mean, she was already a star, but she was going to be like a, a really big movie star for years to come. And yeah, then uh, yeah, it kind of broke his heart. I imagine it did. Yeah, she was. Do you have a um? Do you have Vampiros Lesbos on uh, yep. DVD? Mm-hmm. I have to borrow that sometime. I still have not seen that, and I've even used that image of Soledad uh, in a poster I did years ago. Right. <laughs> so I feel like maybe I should finally see that one. Okay. Sexy vampires from the late sixties yeah. and early seventies. So that's yeah, it's a good that's a good period for him. Yeah. So then then he went other directions that you deem unwatchable and I'll trust you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And you you get all the the porn stuff in the seventies. I I haven't seen any of his, his straight up porn films, but uh, like in the eighties, the early eighties, you'd see these films that were turning up that they'd be going onto the video nasty list because they were just like, you you just be like butchery, uh, you know, bloody moon and uh, Oasis of the zombies. It's just (laughs) so, I, it's got some good shots in it, but it's so dull. It's so stupid. It just doesn't seem like it cares. You wonder sometimes. You no, know, his, his classic cast had gone. Yeah. How Howard Vernon and stuff. He just didn't seem to have his heart in it. When people start putting out dull work, you, you got to wonder, like, what, is there something going on in your life where you're just, like, pooping out another film? To... Well, yeah, on, on, he, he was, like, he was on that wave of the, the, the European film industry and collapse. Uh, so it is, you know, all the money was drying up, and you, you know, and when the eighties came along, home video came, and people could just watch porn at home. That kind of closed down a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he didn't didn't have his heart in it, I don't think. Yeah, and, and that usually does show. So right. many pornographers' dreams were dashed. <laughs> yeah. With the, with the advent of home, home video. video. Uh, and then they Porn were... could have become a real art form, but yeah, there was there were some people who were kind of pushing the boundaries in the early seventies. Yeah, um, there's Joe D'Amato and people like that. But um, yeah, uh, just Franco. If you, if you watch like Virgin Among the Living Dead, is probably the last one of his I like because you still got some of his old cast and and some of it. When you know what's going on with his private life, you can you, know, you can see them. You know, people are leaving. Mm. And it's kind of sad uh, watching it. Okay, so to, to bring it back around to Black Sunday and Barbara Steele, um, before we uh, call it a show, uh, do you have a couple of suggestions for people who want to, who have seen this by our recommendation or have seen it anyway and maybe want to see a couple more of her movies? What do you think are a couple of her better ones after this? Uh, Dance Macabre, I love that one. Okay. And of course, eight and a half. She's not. Oh the, yeah, not I mean, the... uh, out of outside of horror movies, eight and a half. Okay, definitely. Uh, but as far as the horror movies, so... and she's not even in that one that much. No. Uh, let's see. What is what's the one I'm thinking of? Um, uh, Shivers. I love that one. Cronenberg. She's okay. The, she's the bathtub scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, after this, she was in Pit and the Pendulum. Oh okay. right. I tried to find that one, in fact, um, just the other night. I think last night I was looking for Pit and Pendulum. Didn't find it on Amazon. Didn't find it on Shudder. 
wasn't on Netflix. Right. I think it might have been on Amazon. I've got it. Yeah. That you can pay. <laughs> but um, she's um, in Caged Heat. She's the prison warden. She's the warden. Uh, she, she's in charge, whatever, oh. whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. She's a warden. Uh, Piranha. She's in that. Tried to find that too. Did not find it. Um, Was that late seventies? That one. Yeah, seventy eight. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good list. Good starting and point. She's in Black Sabbath. Yeah. And not the band, the movie. Yep. No, no, she's not. No, she's not. No, this is her only Bava film. But she was in she was in a bunch of Italian movies. Yeah, that felt like they might be. Bava. Uh, Long hair of death. Long hair of death. <laughs> Long hair of death metal. <laughs> Speaking of Black Sabbath. <laughs> No, that was okay. Black Sabbath. That was a Karloff movie. Yeah, that's the, there's like several stories. Yeah, yeah. He's he kind of hosts the through line to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched that a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, hadn't seen it before, and I went, "Oh, look, it's on Netflix," and I watched it. Yeah, I see a lot of good things on Netflix that way. Not anymore. That's right. It's all original content now. All original content. No movies before 2000. You want to watch Jaws? Here's Jaws 3. Yes. I use that as an example a lot, but it's wrong because I think they actually have all the Jaws movies. I saw somebody post, uh, you know, the new uh, Remember When Netflix had movies. It's the new Remember When MTV had videos. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's like Candyman 4. <laughs> If we had our, our wheel of fortune with the taglines on it, we could insert joke here. But uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes just saying insert joke here is enough. <laughs> it tells the listener where to they, insert their own joke. It's interactive entertainment. Yeah. Sometimes we don't write the jokes, so you can't. Right, and then you can insert them wherever you want to insert them. Yes. <laughs> That's your private life. You can do what you want. <laughs> oh, all right, well, um, Women in Horror Month, February. Uh, this is going to be um, a really good way to, I think, wrap up the episode. What it's, are we going to watch? What do you want to watch next time? We watch Sleepaway Camp? We could do that. I think I got it, yeah. Felissa Rose? Isn't that, I mean, wasn't that one directed by a woman? Well, it's or got was a, it it's got a really Sleepaway cool... Sleepaway Camp too. I don't remember which one. Slumber Party Massacre is directed by a woman. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Should we Slumber watch Party that? Slumber Party Massacre. Let's watch that. Oh, it's horrible. That one, yeah. Is <laughs> it awful? I, I didn't ever yeah. bother buying that one. It's... <laughs> Maybe we should just watch Sleepaway Camp then. All you need to know is like it's a slasher movie and at the climax they chop off his drill. Yeah. Chop off his drill. Yeah. I remember. All right. Was it Slumber Party 2 or Slumber Party 3? The box, my cousin and I never rented it because the first one was terrible. But (laughs) the box said something like, I'm going to get this wrong, but like eight women. And you think, 16 boobs. But it'd be like, 17 boobs. And we were just wondering, always wondering, like, how did they get an odd number? (laughs) Who has three of them? (laughs) Well, the one one girl is just half shy. Yeah. (laughs) 17 boobs. Covers one up. Maybe she doesn't eat organically reared cattle. Yeah. (laughs) It's a man, and they just grown three of them so what would be a good one for next well we've so we've talked about director yeah and then now an actor so we should go somewhere else how about a writer because yeah let's do you've got mary shelley shirley jackson Ooh, shirley jackson so that gives you the haunting yeah we could do the haunting mary shelley gives you frankenstein gothic horror frankenstein do they ever make last man on earth a movie? Sounds like a Twilight Zone. Oh, no, it doesn't. I don't think they ever did. I never read that one. No. I've only read Frankenstein. Yeah, that's the only one I read. We can do women writers as a, Mm. you know, uh, multi-influenced episode. We could talk about, like, two or three movies from different writers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Just pick one each. Okay. um, So... 
So Mary Shelley, um, does anyone have a favorite version of Frankenstein other than the Boris Karloff, the 1931? Was 31, wasn't it? The Kenneth Branagh one's not great, but it's not the worst thing ever. The Bride, the one with Sting in it? No, no. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. Yeah, Yeah, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, isn't it? Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. (laughs) With Robert De Niro. Yeah. And Rob Zombie. And Bram Stoker's Robert De Niro. (laughs) (laughs) Marvel's Disney's. Uh, Then you've got... Kenneth Branagh's uh, Mary Shelley's. Dario Nicolodi, who's behind the big Argento movies of the 70s. Okay. Suspiria. Yeah. Well, I could show up ready to talk about Frankenstein. Okay. I mean, I'm happy to do that. Um, Will, do you want to pick one of the other two? I'll pick something. Okay. So, women writers next uh, time. Yeah, I'll watch The Haunting again. Any excuse? The Haunting. There you go. Man, yeah. That... That'll be great. We'll we'll talk about uh, women writing horror and uh, and that'll be great. We'll we'll get it. Yeah. And we'll we'll wrap up uh, Women in Horror Month with that. Thank you for listening, dear listeners, and stay off the moors. <laughs>